You know what I've started to notice, and I feel like I should have noticed before this season, but like way too many damn teams use this song, all right? Because growing up, I thought this was our song, right? Isn't our stadium called The Jungle? Song called Welcome to the Jungle, and it's played in every stadium in the fourth quarter? Like, come on. I've heard it everywhere around the NFL, And, uh, you know, I've been watching a lot of the NFL because we are nearing that point in the season. I mean, where the 3 a.m. Coney was, was about judging the Cincinnati Bengals. What can they be? What will they be? Um, How's the defense going to do? How's Joe Burrow going to do? How's Zach Taylor going to click? And those are all great things to talk about, but it only matters when you compare it to the NFL. When you see how they are doing within the league and how the rest of the league is doing. How other teams who have made different roster building decisions, coaching decisions, front office decisions, how are they executing? You know, what are their results like? We get to learn more about draft picks. We get a lot of information in the first quarter of the season. And with the new 17-game schedule, the first quarter of the season's now, I guess, game five-ish. It's in between four or five, realistically. But we're about a quarter of the way through. And we've got a lot to look back on from the Cincinnati Bengals. What is what? Why is why? And where is where? Just a bunch of questions. And that's what we're going to do on today's show. We're going to answer those questions. At least the questions that I have. And one of the main concerns that I now see popping up that I didn't see in the euphoria of the NFL mic'd up segment with Joe Burrow. Now, now let me take you to this, because there are three things currently wrong with the Bengals' offense, and yes, something is wrong, okay? It's one of three things, because let me just say this sentence. A team with a top 10 quarterback, that is what Joe Burrow is by every classic metric and by pro football focus grade. He's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Jamar Chase is a top 10 wide receiver. Joe Mixon is a top 10 running back when healthy. Both tackles are solid. The guards have been, uh, but this team is 13th in pass block win rate. So if I told you all that before the season, what, what do you think the Bengals offense would rank? 15th? Worst case? 13th? 12th? 11th? 9th? No. This team has somehow found its way into the 20s in every significant offensive category, again, under Zach Taylor. So they are a bottom 10 offense with a top 10 quarterback, a top 10 wide receiver, and two, I mean, you could say Jonah Williams is a top 10 left tackle so far, and Riley Reef is a top 10 right tackle. They're both at least top 15 players at their respective positions. Those are the most important positions in offense. Star receiver, quarterback, tackles. Boom, we got them all. How on earth is this a bottom 10 unit? How on earth? It's one of three things, in my opinion, because I've been thinking of this, and this is why the podcast came out on Tuesday. I didn't know what to say on Monday because that game was there for the taking, and if this offense were ready for this team to be a contender, they would have won that game by seven, and there was so much hope. But now the eye test has clicked enough 
and we've seen some serious results from Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, I'm real tired of them of talking about them looking good. I've known they've looked good since I came on this podcast and told you we should draft both of them. I told you we should draft Joe Burrow September of 2019. If the Bengals have him available, they should draft them. That was before he was a first overall pick. Jamar Chase, same thing. We said that on this show in December that Jamar Chase should be the pick. Wrote another whole article for Cincy Chronicle in January. And I wasn't the only ones, right? This was a big thing. We know they're good. We know they're good. We know they look good. We know they belong. So I don't, I really am tired of this. Well, they looked good. <laughs> yeah, they're not just looking good. They are good. They're top 10 at their position. The two most important positions in the modern NFL, we have top 10 players at, arguably a top 10 left tackle, and the offense is bottom 10. So what are the three things? What are the three potential things? Number one, and I believe this is most people in Cincinnati's opinion, Zach Taylor's an idiot. Plain and simple. Zach Taylor is an idiot. He is incapable of being a good play caller. And the best case scenario would be him giving up play calling and remaining as the CEO of the team because he's good with culture and that type of stuff. So that's, that's one option. The number two option is Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor have cooked up this excellent game plan to face some tough pass rushes early in the year where they're going to turn Joe into a game manager in situations, lean on the run game, get out of there while his knee's unhealthy, and Joe's just messed it up because he's forced some balls and made some bad decisions. The pick six against Chicago, forcing the ball at the start of the second half against Green Bay, or... And what I believe is the more likely scenario for what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals offense is I don't think Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor are on the same page. I don't believe they are. I really don't believe they are. And I take you back to a line that we all said now, that we all loved, that we all repeated from the NFL films, from the mic'd up segment. This is bullshit. Time for me to take over. Boy, that got your heart pumping, didn't it? That was fun in the moment when he was coming back and beating the Jaguars. That was really fun. Really, really fun. The problem, though, is if if they're not on the same page and that this is bullshit, time for me to take over, wasn't directed at the Jaguars or the game situation or being down 14-0, but instead it was... Man, I need to control this offense. The flow's not right. The rhythm's not there. This is BS. It's time for me to take over. And I think that might be the worst case for the 2021 season. Is that the worst case for the 2022 season? Well, it really depends on what you think of Zach Taylor. Because what Zach Taylor can't have happen is him and his quarterback not be on the same page. Because with the way Zach has called games, think about this. The way they've approached all the games early in the season. He's coaching like a conservative coach with a game manager quarterback. That's what he's coaching like. Now, Bill Belichick has coached like that with Tom Brady. That has worked before in NFL history, where an elite all-time quarterback becomes a game manager because of the situation of the team. And they just win that way. But you got to get on the same page. And you got to say, hey, you're not going to have a lot of dropbacks 
You can't be going to throw on the run and throw a pick down the sideline to start the second half when we need that momentum. You can't force things in the fourth quarter in Chicago. You got to let them happen. You got to make sure you're on the same page if you want to execute that. Because with the way the Bengals are playing, you can't have six six interceptions if you're Joe Burrow. They need more dropbacks if he's going to have that many interceptions. The interception percentage is too high. Too high. And so it just feels like it's not right. They're not on the same page. The offense isn't on the same page. Does that come from inexperience with each other or, or the inconsistencies of youth? or I don't know. But it's weird. And it shouldn't be happening. Because let me state the facts for you again. The Cincinnati Bengals have a top 10 wide receiver by nearly every metric. The only guy that's ever done this to start his career was Randy Moss. Jamar Chase on pace for 17 touchdowns and 1,500 yards. That's a top 10 wide receiver. The Bengals have a top 10 wide receiver. They have a top 10 quarterback. Joe Burrow, top 10 in pass rating, top 10 in yards per attempt, top 10 in adjusted net yards per attempt, top 10 in PFF grade. They have a top 10 left tackle, if you believe the fine folks at Pro Football Focus. If you don't, maybe top 15 tackle. The offensive line hasn't been a complete liability, although it has been weak. But it's been what we expected. And it's a bottom 10 offense. It's a bottom 10 offense. Can't happen. Because when I, you know, listen, when we talked about this team in the preseason, we asked a lot of questions about that defense, huh? I don't think Lou's going to get it together. I thought Lou would be a midseason firing. Well, that definitely is not happening now. This defense is real. Cheeto is real. Trey Hendrickson is real. Ogan Joby is real. Jesse Bates is elite. Von Bell is a real safety. Logan Wilson is a on-the-rise linebacker. Jermaine Pratt ain't bad. Like, this defense got some dudes now. And knock on wood, they're healthy so far. And the defense has blown me away. I never thought they'd be this. And so that type of investment from the Bengals has worked out, and that's why they're 3-2. and two. But how long are we not going to trust our eyes? Because there's nothing about our eyes that says Joe Burrow isn't great. There's nothing about our eyes that says Jamar Chase isn't great. There's nothing about our eyes that tells us that Jonah Williams and Riley Reeve can't be a playoff tackle tandem. There's nothing in our eyes showing us that Joe Mixon is overrated. The eye test for this offense has checked every single box. So why aren't the results there? I mean, I'm just asking. I'm just posing questions here. Because here's what I can tell you about Zach Taylor. I love the culture. I love the attitude. I love going hard at practice. I love the way he's approached how to change the Bengals in terms of culture. Because I really think it is the way to approach it. When you have such a bad organization with such a built-in losing culture from the way everybody perceives them and the way they've played and acted and operated in the, in the past, yeah, you need a full culture change. You need to get people out of the building. You need to bite some bullets. And I think that's what Zach Taylor has done 
The problem is, is that the one thing that you kind of brought him on to do, which was be a really good offensive play caller, is clearly not happening. It's clearly not happening. Now, we could sit here and go, blame him, blame that, blame this, blame here. And I'm already starting to see, I knew this would come. I knew this moment would come. Why? Because Bengals fans, we can never have anything nice. And it, it's it's just, it sucks that we're even at this point. But it's starting to, people are like, oh, should should we start to blame Joe Burrow? Should we start to blame Joe Burrow? Oh, this team would be one and four without Jamar Chase. Maybe Joe Burrow's not that good. I think that's a very dumb, dumb, dumb game. I think Joe Burrow has started his career. I mean, he's not even finished his first full season yet. We need to remember that. Also, we need to remember he's barely seen any of these teams twice. And what's happened the last time he's seen a team twice? Jacksonville. Check out that second half. Cleveland, two game-winning drives, second time he saw them. So once he starts seeing teams second time, it'll get better and better and better and more special. So I, it's not Joe Burrow. He's thrown too many interceptions, but he's feeling himself. He trusts his arm. And I don't think we would have gotten some of the amazing touchdowns we've had that's essentially created offense out of thin air I don't think those happen without Joe Burrow taking the risks that end up leading to these interceptions. I mean, one of the interceptions is on the option route, which the option route worked to perfection so many times. The one time it didn't work, it ends up being one of the most ugly picks that Joe's going to throw. He tries to force a ball in to T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd, I forget who, in the Chicago game. An elite linebacker jumps the route. T. Higgins gets out-muscled for a ball on the sideline because Joe's trying to make a play and fit it into a tight window. Rolling to his right, throwing up the right sideline. Just came after. He hit the ball at the end of the half. He comes out second half, hits a 24-yarder immediately to Jamar Chase, and Joe is feeling himself a bit and, and try to shot down the sideline. I want Joe Burrow to be feeling himself. That's like the point. And he'll have another 210 passes in a row without throwing an interception. It'll come. He's still learning. And and that's what's kind of scary is everybody's kind of pivoting to Joe and trying to blame him for the losses. It's like he's already in his fifth year. But hey, that's the expectation of passing the eye test. Everybody starts to wonder, okay, why aren't we winning? Because you passed the eye test. But how? How about that defense? Surprising. Let's go through it just here at the end, a review of every unit, and then a look at the upcoming schedule for the Bengals. Um, We should be doing a preview show later this week. Let's take a look at every unit. Punter. Let's start there. Kevin Huber's got to play better, man. Kevin Huber has got to play better. And that's, nobody ever wants to say this about a punter, but I'm going to come out and say it because there's been multiple times in these games that the Bengals have a real opportunity to pin somebody inside the five and Huber doesn't execute. And that just makes Zach Taylor not going for it on those fourth downs even dumber because Kevin Huber can't pin people in right now. So there's a reason Drew Chrisman keeps, we keep hearing about him. So the clock is running out on Kevin Huber. Um, I, I don't know how much longer he can be the punter of the Cincinnati Bengals because it just hasn't been good enough. It just hasn't been good enough from Kevin. 
uh, from a punting perspective. And that's much respect to Kevin. And he's not, he's not a bad punter. It's hard to be a bad punter. It's hard to be a liability at punter. But he isn't providing anything extra as a punter. And they, he used to. I mean, he seriously used to. But I don't think Huber has it anymore. But I let the coaches evaluate. I'm not saying Chrisman's better or that we need to change. It's just Huber's got to play better. Evan McPherson, three missed kicks now. So not been perfect from him either. Uh, I love Evan, though. And he's a rookie. And I think with kickers, you got to trust him. You go to safeties, they've been excellent. Really excellent. I mean, they've been excellent in run. They've been excellent against the pass. They've uh, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, truly been great. At linebackers, I think the defense, we would just go down everybody. I really like the linebackers. I think the secondary is thin, but if they're healthy, they're good, man. They're real good when they're healthy. But I think they're a thin unit in the secondary. I don't really trust Tony Brown or Eli Apple or any of those guys, although they've played better than I thought they might. Defensive line, they don't. They need Osai to be that elite unit. They need another edge rusher. I think because Hendrickson has a bad game against Green Bay, Ogan Joby's a little 50-50, gets limited snaps, and all of a sudden you can't generate any pressure against Aaron Rodgers. And you're asking your secondary to cover Devontae Adams for four seconds, and that's why he's got 200 yards. You know, they needed the defensive line to have a dominant game to not allow the Packers to generate that much yardage. They had the football quite a bit. So they weren't, they were a good defense. They weren't an elite defense. And I think Joseph Osai might have provided that, but last we didn't get to see him play. Offensively, I, I've talked about the offense already. Tackles, great. Wide receivers, great. Auden Tate could have maybe played better. Joe Burrow, top 10. Joe Mixon, been a top 10 ish back. And I know Samaj P. Ryan, he's going to go out there and do his job, but. I think it's time to get Chris Evans involved. We need another dynamic in the offense. Plus, how often is Joe Mixon not going to be healthy before we realize he's not a three-down back? I know you paid him to be a three-down back, but you can't keep harm in the team by overloading him with carries because he clearly can't handle it. Probably needs to be an 18, 19 carry-a-day guy, and if there's going to be somebody else getting catches out of the backfield, it should be Chris Evans. I don't know where his pass blocking is. I can't really comment on that, but I think it needs to be Chris Evans in that backup running back role, or at least on third downs, because he's explosive every time he gets the ball in his hands. Um, and he might be one of the best receivers on the team, and he plays running back. So I think they need to get him involved more. Guard play, Spain's been solid. Jackson Carmen's been a rookie, as you expect. Hopkins hasn't been good enough. I mean, that's your weakness of your team, I think. If you had to pick a, a weak spot, a weak three players in a row... It's the interior of this offensive line. And that brings us to the upcoming schedule of the Cincinnati Bengals as we roll to a conclusion here on the 3 a.m. Coney. Just wanted to recap the game and the week. Next week, obviously the Lions. Now the Lions are top 10 in pass rush, uh, according to the Athletic and their pass expectancy win rate, which is a very great stat. Bengals are 12th in that stat. Lions are just ahead of the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Lions are going to be able to generate a bit of pressure. You're on the road, but it's your first game of the road trip. It's a bounce-back game after a really tough loss. I I think the team is made of some stuff, and they're going to have bounce-back ability. Uh, I I think they'll win against the Lions, and I think they'll win pretty handedly. I feel like this is a game where Joe Burrow is going to do really well. Like, the Lions have a good pass rush, but I think it's a little more focused on the edges 
They they got some good interior players as well, but like I think maybe it'll be all right. And <laughs> is Okuda going to guard? I mean, the Lions have been tough, but I, I think the Bengals are going to win against the Lions. I really I really do believe that, and I think the Bengals are going to beat the Ravens. Why? I don't think the Ravens are going to change their Joe Burrow game plan, and I, that's a mistake. I think Joe Burrow's been nonstop thinking about the Ravens, the Ravens, the Ravens, the Ravens, the Ravens, the Ravens. That's a big game on the road. They'll be hyped for it. They'll win. I'm going to go on a limb, though, and say that they'll lose to the Jets the next week. I don't think the Jets are all that horrible. Well, they are pretty horrible. But their pass rush, specifically their interior pass rush, it's going to cause the Bengals a lot of problems. I think it's the last game of a three-game road trip jammed in between two division games. In my preseason predictions, I had this as a loss as well. And after seeing the Jets play and seeing their interior defensive line, I'm even more convinced that that is a a massive opportunity for an upset for the Jets. Because you have Lions. I think that's a bounce back. You're coming off a loss. Emotionally, you should be ready to go. I think that's a win. I think you set yourself up for a big divisional game, a chance to go 5-2 and and steal first place. And then you build up third road trip game. The bye is in two weeks. Not great. So the bye is in two weeks. And you got the Browns at home in what will be the biggest game in quite a a long time in the Battle of Ohio following that. And I just see that sandwich as a letdown. Um, I I just really see that as a letdown. After a tough divisional game, that's going to be a tough one against the Jets. But I think they'll beat the Ravens. I think they're going to win the next two games. I think they're going to be 5-2 and because I believe in Joe Burrow, and I think when he sees somebody the second time, he can take over. He can make more checks and audibles at the line, and it can become more of his offense. When it's his first time seeing somebody, he's kind of got to trust Zach. All right, Zach, what was the game plan? What are we what was the game? What do you think? And the more he sees, the more comfortable he is, the more comfortable he is checking and changing at the line. And the more he, the more Joe does that, the more success we all have and we all float and we're happy about it. So then they play the Browns. I won't predict that far ahead. But if you're 5 and 3 heading to play the Browns, even if you think they'll lose to the Ravens, beat the Jets, 5-3 and three playing the Browns, you could be 6-3 and three heading into the bye with a home game against the Raiders, with a road game against the Grudenless Raiders that's now very, very winnable. I'm going to predict this schedule the rest of the way. Why? It's my podcast. 6-3, and three, I have them. Let's say they beat the Browns. I think they'll beat the Browns too. I think that's 6-3, and 7-3 and three on the road against the Raiders. They sweep the Steelers. That's 8-3. and three. Then they play Justin Herbert at home. I'll leave it at eight and three. We'll talk about that game in a second. Um, home against the Niners. You know what? Let's give a loss. Eight and four. Brandon Staley's a better coach. Chargers are a year ahead of the Bengals, I think. So eight and four. They play the Niners, who are beat up at home after a tough loss against the Chargers. To me, that's nine and four on the road against the Broncos. Broncos are much more beatable than they were previously. That's ten and four. You're at ten wins. You're at 10 wins already. That's what 3-1 and one starts do for you, ladies and gentlemen, because then you have Ravens, Chiefs, uh, Browns to end the season, and you're at 10 wins. I mean, that's definitely possible with this schedule laid in front of the Cincinnati Bengals. Even if you are at 9 wins heading into that stretch, you have the season in front of you with three tough games. Are the Chiefs unbeatable? No. Ravens and Browns is a divisional game. They're not unbeatable either. So this, like, gauntlet of a schedule down the stretch, it is a gauntlet. It is harder than the start of the schedule. But another thing to remember and to consider, 
not the yes, the schedule was front loaded with good team with bad teams for the Cincinnati Bengals and bad offenses and bad quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, Justin Field, Andy Dalton, hybrid, Ben Roethlisberger, Trevor Lawrence, who had seven interceptions coming into the game. First good quarterback you play is Aaron Rodgers. Then you get Jared Goff. And then you get Zach Wilson. And yes, the quarterbacks are better down the backstretch of the season. But you know what's not better? The pass rushes. The pass rushes aren't better. The Chiefs, the Browns. I mean, the Browns have a good pass rush. That, that That's true. But is their secondary going to stop Joe Burrow? I mean, they could barely stop Joe Burrow last year. Almost had him beat twice. So I think that they're is a little more room to run on this schedule than previously thought for the Cincinnati Bengals. I really do believe that. And especially with the offense clicking halfway through the year. Because I think they're going to click. We, you go back and look at last year. It takes Zach a minute. It, it takes Zach a minute to figure out what he's got. And it's because he's not a great coach. But with a top 10 wide receiver and a top 10 quarterback and top 10 tackles, when you figure this thing out, it's going to blow up. It's going to be explosive. And if the defense can stay healthy and hold, I think this is a playoff team, ladies and gentlemen. And I think after playing the Packers, I think that if they don't make the playoffs, it better be because they're at 10 wins and are on the outside looking in. To me, if Zach Taylor cannot get to 10 wins with this team, then he ain't ever winning a Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? And that's where we sit. And I think we kind of all figured we might be sitting in some type of point like this. Where you feel like the team can be great, and maybe the coach isn't. The next step, though, if the offense continues to struggle, is Zach is going to have to surrender play-calling duties. Maybe that fixes things. I don't know. All remains to be seen. I'm worried Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow aren't on the same page, and if they aren't, that's a problem. Um... But we'll see. Lots to prove. I'm still very, very, very happy that the Bengals were able to compete like that against Green Bay. Had the big throw. He's not baby arm Burrow. You have the comeback. Just have a couple dumb decisions. A couple bad misses. And I I think they're right there. All right. That's the evaluation of the Bengals. That's a look back. That's all the information we have. I didn't mean slash didn't want to make any broad opinions or statements on this team. We've been doing a lot of that. But I think that we've reached that point. We have reached the impasse moment with the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a franchise where we're starting to figure them out a little bit. We're starting to know what they are. And I think that's important. I think it's crucial, critical. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the 3 a.m. Coney. We'll see you next time.